wish you could have energy all day long. Well, you've come to the right place because in this podcast, me and my guests talk about how to power up your energy with just small shifts in the way you eat, sleep, move, and think. But let's face it, we can't possibly keep our energy up all day long at the very highest level. No more than a professional sprinter can keep up their usual short distance pace for an entire marathon. It's normal for humans to experience energy cycles throughout our day. It's just part of our circadian rhythm of physical, mental, and behavioral changes that follow a 24-hour cycle. In addition, premenopausal women oftentimes experience different energy cycles throughout their monthly cycle. Unfortunately, people tend to label the high energy periods as good and the low energy periods as bad. But what if we can map out our own personal energy cycles and then use that information wisely to better manage our lives? It's something that today's guest has spent a lot of time thinking about. Dr. Ava Lumsort is a professor at two universities, one in Ecuador, where she's based, the other in the Netherlands. She has earned two master's degree, one in civil engineering, another in structural engineering, and then she has her doctorate also in structural engineering. Her studies are focused on the design and analysis of concrete structures and analysis of existing bridges, but she's not going to be talking about concrete and bridges with us. Instead, she'll share her study of energy cycles as a consideration in project management. So something we can all use in our daily life so we can get more done and have more fun. Let's welcome Ava. Welcome to the Energize Your Life podcast, hosted by keynote speaker, author, and peak performance expert, Dr. Joe. Listen in as Dr. Joe and her guests talk about how to energize your life so you can be happier, healthier, and more productive. All right, so welcome, Ava. I really appreciate you coming on. Your background is so different than what it is we talk about in this podcast, but your email really intrigued me. Can you, can you share with me how you got involved with kind of the whole science of energy management from a civil engineering perspective? How odd is that? Tell me about it. Yes, I, I think it's a topic that is important and interesting for everybody, regardless of their field. So whether you're an engineer or you're a psychologist or you're a, an architect, it's important for all of us to think about our energy management and our personal energy. And my right, because when, when you get when you have more energy, people don't even think about this, but when you have more energy, everything is easier. You know, you're more in the flow with your work. It's easier to concentrate. You're more patient and, and kind with other people, you know, because you're not that moody person. You know, you're just more productive and, and you have more fun, right? And so um, when did you get involved with all this? I got interested in this when I was a doctoral student. So I had four years to do my research, very much unstructured time. And in that time, I started to write a blog, which I used to document my experiences in the laboratory, but also my workflow processes and what I learned from that. And I used it as a space to reflect on what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And through many iterations, which I think we will touch upon more in later in this podcast, I went from really managing my projects and my time from really the maybe engineering point of view, like this needs to mm. fit in the day and this is what I'm going to do, mm -hmm. to much more being conscious of myself and my energy and adjust the way I schedule my time around that. 
And it sounds like you've done a lot of your own personal research. So um, share with me kind of maybe what was your first aha moment that all of this keeping track of your energy really mattered? Can you think of a situation? Yes, um, it came during my doctoral years as I was mapping my activities and my focus, I started to see the patterns. So I started to see for myself that pattern shift. And then reading about the human body, I saw, well, our blood sugar shifts or uh, in over the period of a month or hormone shift. So it made sense to me to start to think of myself as the person that is being tested or the object that is being tested as I typically I test concrete blocks or big pieces of concrete. So I started to look at myself as a as an object of study and really keep track of how I was feeling to start using the data that generate of myself and my experiments on myself to come up with better ways to manage my time and informed by my energy. Yeah, and Ava, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I probably don't talk about that enough, but we all have circadian rhythms. So these are rhythms in which not just our blood sugar, our blood pressure, our cortisol levels, everything raises and lowers throughout the day in a rather predictable pattern. So like one of the things that we're very familiar with and we talked about recently, we talked about sleep is that melatonin increases in the evening time or the nighttime, I should say. So that helps us to feel tired and go to sleep. So we don't just go to sleep because it's dark and there's nothing to do because that isn't true anymore. You know, we go to sleep because of our circadian rhythms that invites that sleep. Some of us maybe are more sleepy at nine, some of us more sleepy at two o'clock in the morning, but it doesn't matter. We still have this rhythm in which we tend to stay up during the day and sleep during the night, but we have rhythms in all these other hormones as well. So that's a you know, real good observation. And, and from that, you realize that you had energy patterns as well. Like what are your energy patterns? Yes, I tend to be a little bit of an early bird. So I have energy in the early morning and that is an energy that helps me think and write. So when I map that to my work, ideally my morning is my time for writing. And then after that, I get a bit more, um, as I get towards lunchtime, I start to feel the need for food. So my energy slumps and mm -hmm. I have the, the typical midday slump. And I may have a little bit pick me up in the afternoon, late afternoon again, but that's more for creative time for myself. So on a typical day, that tends to be the time that I'm back home. I have a, a young daughter and we like to do craft projects at the time. And mm -hmm. then I feel around 8 p.m. That's uh, uh, I don't do engineering after 8 p.m. As I like to say, that's when my uh, research part of the brain is completely done. I can still be reading or doing something relaxing and go to bed on time. Yes, that's good. And, you know, and a lot of times when people talk about how to plan their day, they oftentimes offer a blanket suggestion about you know, having a morning routine during the time where you're the most energized, but we know that that isn't true, that not everyone, I, I feel like I'm more in your pattern then, you know, much more focused on doing any kind of research or writing in the morning hours. And, uh, 
And that's kind of interesting. You said creative in the afternoon because I love it when I get to pick up my granddaughter who is the same age as your daughter. You know, and, and we do like to do fun things, you know? So that's kind of interesting. I never really thought about that. Maybe I'm not focused enough on my energy cycles throughout the day. But what the point I'm trying to make is not everyone has that cycle. That some people, they just don't get into that productive burst until it's 11 o'clock in the morning, for example, right? Yes, and my husband is like that. He needs time in the morning to sort of, it feels like he needs to land into himself first, and then he has more energy in the evening, for example. So I see it around me that we're all different, and being aware of ourselves is can be our superpower. Yeah, so, you know, um, in my lingo, we talk about the uh, morning larks. Those are people who like to get up in the morning and be productive. And then there's the evening owls. And they're the ones that like to stay up until midnight, two o'clock in the morning, that type of thing, because they're not sleeping until then. Or maybe their evenings are the most productive time. Um, I would say, though, please don't fight it beyond that, because those early morning hours are probably the most disastrous for us not to be asleep. You know, two to four o'clock, our body goes through a, a natural circadian low. It's hard to fight sleep. It's dangerous for those people that are on the road at that time. Accidents are more likely to happen and more fatal accidents. So even if you're an evening owl, I, I hope you'll listen to your body and say, you know what? Uh, realize if you have to if you have to work at night, that's a different matter. But I'm saying, you know, even if you say, well, I could go until four o'clock in the morning, you probably shouldn't fight it that much. And so that's another whole episode in which we talk about sleep. And I'll be sure to link to that in the um, in the podcast notes. So how exactly, Ava, did you track this? You know, because you're so project management focused. Do you have a tool that you can use to kind of keep track of this in an easy fashion? Yes, what I recommend is, as I said, treat yourself as an object of study. So what you can do is during a day, check in with yourself every hour to see how you feel. If you feel alert, if you feel drowsy, if you feel creative, if you feel open to socialize, if you feel more inward directed, map how you feel first. And the other thing that you can do is to map all the tasks that you have. Now, I know that there's people out there who are like me who have a very free schedule. As an academic, I the only thing that I have on my schedule is my lecture hours and maybe some recurring meetings with my doctoral candidates, but I set the time for that. And other than that, I'm, I'm free to, to see how I organize my time. So for those of you who are in a situation where your upper management decides, um, what you should be doing when. This is still interesting to talk with your superiors about saying, I would like, for example, if you are coding, if you're a um, developer, you may want to find the time of the day that you're most focused and ask your superiors for permission to block that off for focused work. And we see more and more that superiors mm -hmm. are aware of the fact and that they're not going to say no to that because it's in their interest that you do your focused work when you can best focus. So once you have your tasks and how you feel during the day, you may want to start mapping what suits what best. And it may not be that the recurring meeting that you have is 
at a time where you want to be socializing with others and where you want to be exchanging ideas with others. So having that information and then having the conversations with the others involved to see if you can change that, to come to a schedule that more serves you as a human being, of which work is just one aspect, that can boost your productivity so much. Excellent, excellent. And I know not everyone who listens to this is, is flexible like you and I are, Ava, or that are even somewhat flexible. I realize that there are some people that, that work a more structured job in which you are doing the same task every single hour, and so it doesn't really matter. But that doesn't mean that we can't plan accordingly. For example, maybe you can remember, Ava, too, uh, when I worked in the corporate environment and I had to drive into the office 45 minutes on a good day, meaning you know, no rain, no construction, no accidents along the way. And oftentimes it was well more than an hour, which means I had to stay alert for that. For me, I hate driving. And then work, you know, like a 10, 11 hour workday, sometimes longer, sometimes seeing clients in the evening to do that socializing and then driving back. It, I found that if I didn't learn how to manage my energy, then all I wouldn't be able to succeed in that you know, high pressured kind of job. And so for me, that's where I, I, I didn't have as much control over my times that I did certain projects or when meetings were set up, but I did have control over when I went to sleep, when I exercised, when I ate, and when I napped. And yes, I said nap. Um, I take a power nap almost every single day have through much of my life. And because for me, I have found out that even 10 minutes of shut eye is kind of like when your computer goes on the fritz and you turn it off and turn it on. It is that different for me. And so even in a corporate environment, I didn't tell people I was taking a nap. I would say I've got to go run some errands. And you know, I'd go in my car at the parking lot, put the seat back and take a nap. So um, for those of you who don't have a lot of flexibility, just ask yourself, okay, this is where my energy kind of slumps. What can I do to help with that energy level? And by the way, taking an afternoon power nap isn't for everyone. Some of you don't like naps. Some of you couldn't take a nap with your schedule, even if you wanted to, and that's okay because there's a lot of other powerful ways to ramp up your energy during this very normal mid-afternoon slump. So if you haven't already done so, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's filled with helpful strategies to help you to manage your energy so you can get more done and have more fun. And when you sign up for this weekly uh, newsletter, you'll also get a free download called What to Do When Your Energy is Crashing. Just go to my website, drjo.com. It's drjo.com, four letters. And you'll find the sign up at the very bottom of that homepage. Uh, and, and you know what, Ava, I, you also brought up another good point about how your energy fluctuates during the day. I was just reading, and excuse me, I was just listening to a, um, an NPR podcast, Think, um, and I'll put this in the notes as well. And they were talking to the author of the book, Attention. And what she focused on is that so many of us try to have 24 seven 
attention and focus, but every single level of our energy has a purpose. So for example, you mentioned in the afternoon, your energy slumps. Tell me more about that. Like, how do you use that time uh, that your energy is slumped? I mean, what are you able to accomplish then? Or what are you able to do? I'd love to hear more about that. Yes, so I can give suggestions on the times that I would like to lecture. And my favorite time to lecture, depending if it fits the schedule, is a 1 to 2.30 p.m. lecture slot. And the reason why I like that is under non-corona times, I can be in front of my students, standing up, writing, and talking to people. And that kind of that's something that I can do while my concentration is really slumped. So I can, ah. I, I've been teaching this stuff for, I don't recall how many years. So I could teach it in my sleep. And wow. I know that if I stand up and talk to students, that's something that, and I'm not going to say this on autopilot because that's not respective towards my students. I'm there with my full attention and my heart open for yeah. them. Um, but it's something that does not require the same focus concentration that reading something new or processing new research results would require me. And the fact uh -huh. that I'm standing up helps, tends to help me as well. Not possible in Corona times, but under normal circumstances. Well, you mean, and, and during the pandemic, you're saying you can't stand up, but if you're remote, you can stand up. I'm standing up. Mm -hmm. I okay. need to look into a standing desk. <laughs> yeah, or like my first standing desk, though, was a box on top of my desk. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was more to try it out, like, would I like to do this? So, yeah, mm -hmm. you can. So you're absolutely right. Just the act of standing up and now you're socializing with other people and maybe that energizes you. And then, like you said, doing something a little bit um, less brain intensive because I know it, I can't imagine civil engineering would be something that really could be on autopilot, but I, I understand what you're saying. It's an easier task. I would say after that, I'm typically tired because I still have the slump in concentration. And then I've also done the energy expenditure of being teaching. So I know that after that, if I would plan working on a research paper or data processing, it's not going to work for me. So that's the time that I typically reserve for administrative tasks, um, sorting emails. They have a, an, elaborative, uh, an elaborate email management system, so sorting the emails, replying certain requests from people from outside. That's the type of thing that, I, that are sort of easier to deal with at the time of the day for me. That's, that's wonderful. Now, I want to ask you about something else for all the women in the, in the audience right now, and also the men to understand the women that they, they um, deal with all the time. And we mentioned that there are circadian rhythms that happen throughout the day. And, and it's pretty much consistent with all human beings on earth, although there might be some fluctuation. Like I said, some people like to go to bed earlier because they're tired. Some people like to stay up a little bit later, but generally speaking, we're awake during the night, excuse me, awake during the day and asleep during the night. But women from when menstruation starts, then they experience a hormonal shift that goes on for a 28 day or around their cycle. And you found that, that you can use that cycle as well to 
when you should be doing certain tasks. Tell, tell me about that. Yes, and there's, a, of course, a fascinating research about this topic as well. A woman's body changes over her monthly cycle. So if you start to check in with yourself more frequently, you will see that the one that we typically know is our so-called luteal phase before menstruation when we do not want to see other people, we want to retreat, we want to be at home, we want to be comfortable, we may be not in a good mood. That's the one we typically notice because we don't feel like our real mm -hmm. self. Yeah. But saying that we don't feel like our real self, is, it's not true. All of that is part of ourselves. We go through these four parts in, in a monthly cycle. You have the follicular phase, the ovulation, the luteal, and then the menstruation. So these hormones that play a role during these cycles influence how we feel and which tasks uh, we are most suited to. The research that we will find on this topic mostly looks, for example, at star women athletes and where in their cycle they have their best performance. So, mm. of course, I'm not a star athlete, but I took that information to think about myself, the type of tasks that fit best each of these phases. And it is, of course, difficult within our schedules to completely map all our activities to that. But the awareness of that can be so helpful to say, okay, this is a time that I may not want to be overloading myself. This may not be the time that I want to go give a presentation somewhere else because I'm not going to feel at my best and I will need to nurture myself so that in a week or two, I can be my blossoming, literally blossoming woman self again. That is fascinating because really all we hear about that is PMS and, mm -hmm. and people think of themselves as grumpy and, uh, you know, like you said, retreating. And I find that's very fascinating. And actually the author of attention kind of said the same thing that instead of thinking of, you know, this is our best self and our worst self is just different parts of the self. So I thought that was fascinating. So what did you discover about yourself? I mean, do you plan your vacations around your cycle and say, hey, this is the time of, you know, that I'd have more fun on a vacation or, or, or any other example like that? Vacation's a bit difficult because it also depends on the rest of Everybody my family else's. and yes. But what I do notice is that the type of exercise that I use is different during different parts of my cycle. I will be much more leaning towards gentle yoga in the later parts of the, the luteal and menstrual phases just mm -hmm. to give my body the time to relax and let everything settle and, and, and nourish myself. And then mm -hmm. after that, when I start to get that energy again of the follicular phase and the uh, going towards ovulation, that's when I will do more strenuous workouts, for example. Well, I'll tell you, Ava, you've given us a lot of food for thought and helping us to map out our energy cycles during the day, during the month, perhaps, aligning them with all the projects that we need to do so that we can be at our very best all the time. And I don't mean that, you know, we're not going to necessarily feel the best, but like you said, even our low energy stages might be good for some other activities that maybe you wouldn't do well in another phase of yourself. And really interesting, good food for thought. 
And uh, thank you, Ava, for, for being on the podcast. Where can we learn more about you and what you do in your podcast, which we haven't even talked about? Yes, you can find me on my website, which is evalansof.com. It's mostly geared towards academics, but you can find their information for other people that have very open schedules, as I write a lot about time and energy management. My podcast that I co-host is called PhD Talk, and that is geared towards academics. And you can find me on Twitter at evalansof and Instagram as well. All right. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. Well, thank you all very much for uh, listening to the show. And thank you, Ava, for being on. I'll talk to you you later. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening. For more information on how you can energize your life or to invite Joe to speak at your next event, please visit drjoe.com. That's just four letters, drjo.com.